If you were here yesterday, thank you. Some of you were here morning, noon, and night. We had a good day, and I shared that teaching blast gospel music, which for some reason only God knows, Japanese all want to sing, is a great way. And we have lots of choirs and thousands of people singing, Oh, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. And they don't know who Jesus is or what sins are or why they need to be washed away. So we explain to them as we sing the songs and have fun with them. Good to be back with you after five years. And as, as Tim uh, mentioned this morning, we're thinking this year about being wide awake, living wide awake. Awake and wake up is the theme that headquarters has chosen for us. Do you ever wake up with a start? Maybe your spouse kicks you in the middle of the night. We have a new, we have a new kitten in the house. Somebody dropped it off in our yard to my daughter's delight. Kittens are cute, you know, but at 4 o'clock this morning when it decides to jump off the headboard of the bed and land right on your head, <laughs> not so cute. <laughs> we know to keep our door shut, but we forgot, I guess. But, man, sometimes you just wake up with a, huh, with a start. Spiritually, sometimes we need to wake up. You know, sometimes in life we're busy and we just kind of get lulled into complacency. Time passes and we kind of lose focus a little bit on what we're doing or what we should be doing. We need to remember exactly where we are, who we are, who our Father is, and what He's called us to be doing. So that's what we're looking at um, this year at our missions conferences. I want to read just a little bit from Scripture. I don't have it, sorry, on the screen to throw up here. So um, you can listen or open your Bibles. It's Matthew chapter 24. It includes what Pastor just read here, but I'm going to read a little bit more. Matthew 24 and 25. Jesus is talking about this. What's it mean to live in the kingdom of God between his first coming and his second coming? He came one time and he, he said, my kingdom has come. If you see the demons being driven out here and people healed, that's proof that the kingdom of God has come here on earth. But it's not complete, as we well know. Satan is still alive and kicking and causing troubles here. But Jesus is going to come back again. And at that time, all evil will be gone once and for all. And God will reign as the unchallenged king here on earth but we live in between those times he's coming back but we're not sure when how should we be living jesus tells us in matthew 24 and 25 but i'm going to read from matthew 24 starting in verse 14 and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come then jump down to verse 36 no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That's how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Two young people will be texting. One will be taken and the other left. (laughs) Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know when your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and wouldn't have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. Who then is the wise and faithful servant whom the master has put in charge of his servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. 
In chapters 24 and 25 of Matthew, Jesus uses a string of parables to teach his disciples, us, how to live as we wait for his return. He calls us to live wide awake, to be ready ourselves to meet him when he comes, and to be investing our lives so that others will be ready to meet him as king, as their king when he returns. First, he gives a couple parables that talk about us being ready. The one we just read, a very short one, about the thief that comes at night. You know, And he says, if you knew what time the thief was coming, okay, he checked in 2.30 tomorrow morning, he wouldn't get into your house, would he? You good Pennsylvanians, you'd meet him at the front door with a shotgun, right? <laughs> Off he'd go, right? But he says, but what happens is you don't know when he's coming, right? And that's how he gets in, because you're unprepared. You're caught off guard. So he says, you don't know when Jesus is coming back, but he is coming back. Don't be caught off guard. Then he gives another parable, the wise and the foolish virgins. It's ten bridesmaids who are waiting for a wedding procession. In those days, they went out and they waited along the road until the bridegroom and the procession would come, and then they'd join in and off they'd go to the banquet. And he says, five of them were wise and five were foolish. The wise ones brought an oil lamp in case he came after dark, but they also brought extra oil in case it was kind of late. The foolish ones came with a lamp, but they didn't bring any extra oil. And in this story, too, as in the one with the thief, they don't know when the groom is coming. Sometime he'll come, but they're not sure when. And, and they wait a long time, and it gets dark, and they light their lamps. And the five that didn't bring extra oil, they run out of oil, and their lamps start to go out. So they have to leave and go back home and get some more oil. And while they're gone, the wedding procession comes. So the five that were prepared well and were ready had the extra oil. They're still okay. So they're there and they, they jump into procession and they go off to celebrate with the bride and the groom. But the five that weren't ready get left behind. And so Jesus once again says, I'm coming. You don't know when that will be, but I am coming. Be ready. Always be ready. Is your heart ready? If Christ returned this afternoon, are you ready to meet him? Do you wake up in the morning and think, maybe today? Maybe today's the day Jesus comes back. Maybe I could see him face to face today. Do you have a kind of excitement, expectation about that? I remember as a kid thinking like that a lot. I think kids have a more simple and the good meaning of that word, mind and, and faith and you know, after being told that Christ could return at any time, I, I thought of that often. And I remember one time after Edinburgh camp up north, Lions camp in August, we came home and my sisters and I are both talking. I wonder if he'll come back soon, you know, maybe before school starts. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be good, right, kids? But then come December, as a kid, you're thinking, I hope he doesn't come before Christmas, <laughs> you know? How, how little we understand of how great that day will be for those who love him. But for those who are not ready, it won't be a good day. It'll be a day of disaster, eternal disaster for them. So Jesus says, be ready. Are we, are we living with expectation? Prepared to meet our King. You know, when you wait for something for a long time, it's easy to kind of get lulled into complacency. This is in part why it's been 2,000 years since Jesus said, go and tell everybody about the cross, that I died for their sins. Go tell everybody and... And still millions of people around the world have no access to that message. They've never been told. No one has ever gone to where they live to tell them. Because at times the church has got distracted and forgotten what we're supposed to be doing. In our heads we believe that Jesus could come back any time, but we don't really live as if he could come this afternoon. 
So Jesus says, be wide awake, be ready. On March 11th, 2011, a few years ago, the earth moved in Japan. I shared yesterday that we have one of every five major earthquakes in the world in Japan. We get them all the time. We're blessed. <laughs> um, I showed yesterday pictures of great big shock absorbers between the skyscrapers to keep them from hitting each other when they're swaying back and forth. We're used to it. In Japan, it's great technology, so our houses are strong. We don't expect them to fall, but things in your houses fall. And So Japan has developed an early warning system. And we have you have fire alarms in your house, but we have earthquake alarms. And an earthquake is a, a shake, and so like you're throwing a, a rock into the water and the ripples go out, that's how an earthquake spreads from the epicenter. So if you're on top of the epicenter, you have no warning. But if you're a little ways away, you have a second or five seconds, or in some cases we've had 30 seconds of warning before the shaking starts. And these alarms go off just screeching in your house. Many people think the alarm is worse than the earthquake. <laughs> But let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you're sleeping in bed literally or if you're, you think you're wide awake, you were not as wide awake as you are after that thing starts to screech. Your heart's pounding, your eyes are wide open, and you're diving for a table or something to get under and to wait for the shaking to come. On this day, the earth really shook. We had a 9.0 earthquake, the fourth largest ever recorded in history. It lasted for 11 minutes. If you've ever felt an earthquake, I know here in Pennsylvania there have been a few small ones that were felt, but a typical earthquake is 15 seconds. It feels longer because you're nervous, but 30 seconds is a long earthquake. This was 11 minutes that the earth was shaking violently. When it stopped, we in Tokyo had slid 9 inches eastward. Up in Ishinomaki, where some Alliance missionaries are near the epicenter, the the ground moved 17 feet to the east and dropped 4 feet in elevation. Can you imagine if somebody grabbed your front yard the <laughs> and just started shaking it like a big sheet and pulling your house 20 feet towards the road? I mean, nobody will ever forget that day in Japan. That was followed. If it weren't enough, the earthquake, we had a tsunami that was 136 feet high at the highest place. 400 miles of coastline and all the cities on that coast were just wiped out. 20,000 people killed almost instantly. And then the next day, a nuclear reactor 100 miles from us melted down. And so for a month or so, we lived with doors and windows shut, not knowing if it was safe to, to go outside. You know, no one in Japan will ever forget that day. As Americans remember 9-11, we remember 3-11. But you know what we discovered? In a, in a country that has an earthquake every five minutes, in a country where the government publishes official lists of everything you need to have in your earthquake kit, bags by the door with food and water for a week or so until help comes with a radio that you can crank or lots of extra batteries, you know, the list. Be prepared, be prepared, where they constantly drill that into us. Tons of people didn't have their earthquake kit. They weren't ready. Did they not think an earthquake would come? No, everybody knows it's going to come. I mean, they feel little ones all the time, and you know the big one's coming. Just probably not today, right? And they're all busy like you are, and they all intended to get that earthquake kit together sometime. But just probably it's okay if we wait a day or two, because I have other things today. And they were caught unprepared. Do you ever procrastinate, lose a sense of urgency? Probably on January 2nd, you're not feeling much stress about taxes, right? 
February 15th, you know, you're thinking, oh, I better get around to it. But come March, no, when is it, April here? <laughs> Thank you. I do pay. I just can't remember what. <laughs> come April 13th or so, you know, if you haven't started me yet, then you're really feeling the pressure because the deadline's here and you know it. But with the return of Christ, we don't know when that will be. So we kind of learned that we, we lose that sense of urgency and sometimes we fall off course in how we should be living. We're not ready. Sometimes we need woken up. Kazuko was woken up. Kazuko's a lady about 60 years old. I haven't asked her. It's not polite there either. But she and her husband had a, had a good career. He worked for a big construction company. They retired, living right across the street from our church plant where we're start, starting a new church in Tokyo. But they had lived in about five countries of the world in, with his business. And in one place in Malaysia when they were living there, and then in Seattle as they lived there, they met Christians. So they are some of the few Japanese who had that privilege of having Christian friends. They met them and became Christians. And uh, 15 years before, the wife had been saved. About five years later, the husband had been saved. And they went to a church quite far away from us, but um, they were getting older and the travel was a little bit harder in Tokyo. So they found out that there was a church starting right across the street. And so they came to visit us. And we welcomed them, a very sweet couple, you know, and glad to have a Christian family join the church plant. But after a few few weeks we we noticed something was a little bit different maybe they didn't seem to be able to open the bible to any passage that we were reading and didn't seem to know when you talked very much about jesus or bible and but they've been believers for 15 years baptized and going to a church at least part of the time so we're a little group 20 people and we all take turns doing the scripture reading during the past i just call on someone the week before and said would you read you know the the scripture this week in the worship service and i asked Kasako, and she said oh i've never read the bible like that i said oh well it's not so big you know we all, it's, we're a little group we all do we're all friends now so would you read it and she said well, well okay but i thought well that's kind of strange her reaction and then i talked a little more and found the husband didn't have a bible he never bought a bible never read one she said well in our other church you know we we went to church a couple times a month and listened but that's all we needed to do we didn't do anything other than that so i said have you you ever read your bible no so i said well let's read the bible if there's one thing we've learned in 20 years of ministry in japan my explanation might help (laughs) but what my words can do explaining god's word are minimal compared to what the word of god can actually do if someone will read it and get it in their heart because it's alive and active and powerful like a a two-edged sword and when you put it in it cuts and does its work. And so we get everyone to read the Bible. My wife and I meet with a lot of people one-on-one just every week or every two weeks. We just sit down and where have you been reading? And we share where we've been reading. And so I say, can we do that with you? Can we come to your house and, you know, we'll just have some tea and we'll, we'll read the Bible together. And they said, ooh, uh, I think we'll just come to worship service. <laughs> so we said, okay. And we backed off. And for the next three or four months, I kept offering and they kept hesitating. So I didn't push too much. They're new. But finally they said, sure, okay, let's try it. So I said, we'll start reading in Genesis, read you know, a couple chapters, whatever, and I'll come over on Wednesday and we'll just share. I'll read it too and we'll just share what we learned or what we've seen. And So I went over and read. And the first couple of weeks, they, they kind of were still a little hesitant, but after a few weeks of reading the Bible, well, the second week they'd read the whole, the whole book of Genesis, and then they just took off. And the husband went out and bought a Bible. And our last week here... Um, in July before we came back. So it was about six weeks, six months after we started reading the Bible with them. You know, She came up to me and she said, David, what have I been doing for 15 years? 
you know. She thought she was a Christian. I mean, only God knows where, where he was and, you know, her heart was. But, but she had no, no idea really about the God that she professed as her God. She never opened his word and hadn't let it do his work. And now she's reading the Bible and she's getting to know Jesus Christ directly through his word. And she's seeing how great her Savior is and she's excited about being a child of God. So we praise the Lord that he woke her up. He's given her a chance to be a Christian, not only in name, but to be his child and walk with him daily. Sometimes we need to wake up. Jesus gives several parables to say to each of us, wake up. Are you awake today? Wake up. Be ready for my return. Then he changes a little bit. And he shares another group of parables which tell us, be investing your life. Live your life so that other people will be ready when I come back. He tells the parable of the faithful servant. It's in Matthew 24, 44 and 40, 45 to 46. He says this. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Okay? Kind of sounds like the other parable we read, but here's again a master with a bunch of servants and He's going off and he takes his lead head servant and he says, now you're in charge, I'm going to be gone for a while. You take care of the other servants, make sure they get cared for because a master not only gave orders, but he cared for his servants. He fed them and took care of them. So take care of them and make sure everyone does what they're supposed to do and I'll be back. Doesn't know when he'll be back. He's gone for a long time. It says it'll be good if that head servant is doing what he's supposed to be doing when the master comes back. If he's carrying out the job that his master has given to us. And we all know the, the job that our master has given to us because he said it in very famous words. Go. Go into all the world and preach this good news to everyone, everywhere. Go and make disciples of all people, baptizing them in my name, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. I die now. Go and tell people so they can believe. He gives another parable. A very famous parable of the talents. Again, it's a master with a household and he's going on a, a trip again and he takes up all of his resources and he divides them up. He says, you're in charge of this and you are in charge of this and you're in charge of this. Take care of it and I'll be back. And when he comes back, he calls them in and he says, well, how'd you do? And the first guy comes and he says, well, you gave me responsibility over this much and here, I doubled it. I invested it and doubled it. And the second guy says, well, you gave me you know, charge over this and hey, I doubled it too. Here's... Here's your estate back. And the third guy says, well, I buried it in the backyard. Here's exactly what you gave me. And Jesus says, you lazy, wicked servant. You could at least put it in the bank. Then I would have had some interest from the money lenders. But you did nothing with all I gave you. Everything we have is from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. The Bible says our very life, as we know, comes from God. Our time, our abilities, our money, everything comes from God. Are we investing it to do the job that He's giving us, has given us to do? Miguel and Yumiko were a young couple in our church, two little kids. He was a construction worker. She worked in a company. They felt God's call in their life, so they both quit their jobs and moved up north where the tsunami was so bad into a town that had never had a church. They bought a small house there and they started to share Christ out of their house. Today, four years later, there are three baptized 
believers in that town. Three doesn't sound much to you, but for 2,000 years there were zero. And uh, now there are three. But, you know, faithfully investing our lives doesn't mean you have to sell your house here in Oil City and move somewhere. But it means that we're asking God, God, you've given me all of this. How do you want me to use it for you, for your kingdom? How can I use it for something that is not just, just, not just my pleasure, but will last for eternity? Because Jesus said, you know, the stuff here on earth is going to rust and the moths will eat it and the government will take the rest away in taxes. But store it up in, in heaven and nobody can lay their hand on it and it will be there for eternity. None of us want to waste our lives, waste our money, waste our day. It's just something that kind of happens. Many years ago, my wife and I were looking for chocolate chips. <laughs> we live in Tokyo. We can get almost anything, but chocolate chips are hard to come by. And I like chocolate chips. So we went online. This was 15 years ago. There was no Amazon yet. There is today, thankfully, but there's no Amazon. But there was a company like that that would import goods for foreigners. So we went on their website and put in chocolate chips. And if you've ever shopped online, you know when you do that on Amazon, you get page after page after page, right? Usually you just choose something on the first page. But we're scrolling through because it's all kinds of, it's bulk. So you have to get 10 bags or 15 bags or 30 bags, and it's 8-ounce bags or 16-ounce bags or 20-ounce bags. So my wife got out the calculator, and she's calculating chocolate chips per ounces, you know, yen per ounces, you know, which is the best buy here. So we spent a half hour, literally, scrolling through page after page of chocolate chips, and we found the best buy per ounce, you know, and we go, this is it. So we put in our credit card, we hit confirm, and we're going, yes, six weeks, and we'll have a box of chocolate chips on our front door, it says, yeah, six weeks. And then it sunk in. And I looked at my wife and I said, do you realize we just spent more than $100 on chocolate chips? <laughs> we had no intent of spending $100 on chocolate chips. We just kind of got caught up in the shopping experience there, you know, and found the best buy and didn't think much of it and hit that button a bit too soon. But don't worry, we ate them all. <laughs> but that's kind of what happens in life, right? No one says out to waste their day. But everybody in this room has looked back and said, oh, I wasted today. I could have spent it better. You know, there are better th things I should have been doing rather than this. And sometimes we, we look at a whole season of life and we say, oh, like, Kumiko, dear, oh, what, what was I doing? What was I thinking? I kind of wasted that. I didn't spend that, that year very well or that time very well. We don't intend to, but it happens. We need God's help to keep us on track, keep us wide awake living for Him. Fumiko came to our church plant. She came late the first time. We were already in worship, and I'm, I'm playing the keyboard leading some music up on the front, and I see a lady at the back door that I don't know. It's a tiny room. It's the size of your platform, basically. We have about 20 chairs set up, and like a Sunday school room upstairs, but I see a lady at the doorway, and she's small, kind of hunched down, looking kind of scared, looking in the door, and she stood there for quite a while. <laughs> I'm playing, so I can't do anything, but nobody knows she's back there, so finally I caught the eye of a lady, and no motion towards the back door. She looked and saw her and got her and brought her in. And, and uh, Fumiko came in and she sat down and she cried through most of the service. So after the service, I, we have a little tea time. We put out some tables and have green tea. So I, I go and I greet her and she's a terrified lady. She's like a deer that you come across when you're out hiking and they freeze and you freeze and you know if I twitch, they're going to be gone. You know, and she had that look in her eyes. She's just scared. Didn't want to talk, so we just gave her space. We said, thanks for coming, and just gave her some space. And 
she came back the next week. We were all praying for her and the week after that. And after three or four weeks, she kind of relaxed a little bit. And she'd, it felt safe to talk to her. So we started to talk. And as we got to know some of she shared stories about her life. She, t- she told us about a husband that she hated that was now in a home for early onset Alzheimer's disease. She told us about two adult sons in their 30s who live with her, one with a drug problem and one with severe mental illness, and of fights and holes punched through the walls and furniture smashed and running away from her own house for fear of her life. She told us of ten, a day 10 years before when her, her son, who had been arrested for drugs, was getting out. And she was sure he was coming home to kill her. So she locked up the house and ran away. And she was walking the streets of Tokyo. It was getting evening and all she could think was, if I wait late enough, he'll get to the house. It's all locked up. No one's there. He'll give up and go somewhere and then I'll sneak back in after dark. So she was waiting on the streets in the evening. And as she waited there, she heard a voice that said, I'm with you. And for some reason... Although Japan has 8 million gods, she thought, I think that's the Christian God. Only the Holy Spirit could explain why she thought that, but that was her thought. And so she went and found a Christian church, few and far between, but she found one. And she went there and she heard about Jesus and she, she prayed to accept Jesus as her Savior and became a part of that church, you know, and her family didn't get any better. Her husband's relation situation plus their relationship was still terrible. She's terrified of the two boys she's living with, and nothing got better. And she thought, well, this God must not be the true God. You know, she was a new Christian. Her faith was so, so young, and she didn't know much. And so, she renounced her faith and she threw away her Bible. And for ten years, she went from temple to shrine to other religions, trying whatever, trying to find some God that would solve her problem and give her some hope in her heart and in her life and she couldn't find any and then she's told us she said then just before i came to your church some weird things started to happen in my life again and one of them was meeting an old old friend in a store and that friend happened to be a member of our church and they invited her to come back and give jesus another try and so she had come that day we prayed with humiko for months as she struggled can I really trust this God? And She thought she couldn't forgive her husband, but she prayed to forgive her husband. She bought a Bible and she started to smile a little bit. And We were encouraged by her growth, but it was Communion Sunday. And on Communion Sunday, we come to the front. We just, there are small groups, so we come up and stand around the communion table and all take it there together. And I know she didn't come up. So after the service again, I asked, why didn't you come to take communion? And she said, well, I still can't believe that God could forgive me for all I've done in the last 10 years, you know, throwing away my Bible and renouncing him. And I can't believe he'd forgive me. And so we share with her the story of the prodigal son. And that God is a God who is so joyful when we return. And he's waiting there with open arms, just waiting for us to say, Jesus, help me. And he's there to forgive our sins and welcome us back, make him us his child again. So we share with her that, yeah, he wants to forgive you. That's his heart. The next month when we had communion, she did come to the front. And she came up and she took the bread and she said to me, Go men aside. I'm sorry. I thought, what'd you do? <laughs> what for? You know, why is she apologizing to me? And then 
As she took it, she was crying, and she said again, come inside quietly. And I realized she wasn't talking to me. She was talking to God. To her Lord, who had shed his blood, and uh, his body had been broken, to forgive her sins. And she was finally able to believe that he would and to accept that forgiveness. The week before we came back to the States, she came to me with a big smile. She said, I went to my doctor this week. She, For years, she's seen a, a therapist because of her many problems. And she said, I went to my doctor. He said, what's wrong with you? What's going on? You look, you look so good, but your life's still a mess. Because <laughs> she told him nothing had changed. Her family situation was still sadly very bad, but... He said, you look so good. What's going on? She said, well, I'm going to a church. Well, he's, he doesn't know anything about a church. He's Buddhist and Shinto. Uh, but she, he said, well, there must be something good there for you. And she said, there is. There's Jesus. <laughs> so we praise the Lord for Fumiko. You know, as I've shared yesterday, Japan's a difficult country. Two out of a thousand claim Jesus as their Lord. Um, after many years of missionary effort in Japan, our churches are small and our numbers won't impress you. And yet there's Fumiko and others like her are, are filling our small room and worshiping God. People who walked for years in darkness and had no hope. But today know the hope that only God can give. Today, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and because many of you have invested your lives for the kingdom of God, praying, giving to the Great Commission Fund, as Pastor explained, so that we and, and others can go to Japan and around the world to tell people like Fumiko, about Jesus and his love and forgiveness. Because of that, investing on your part, the gospel is being preached in Japan. And Fumiko and others like her have heard about Jesus Christ and have a chance to decide if they will follow him and find the life and the hope that he gives. So I want to say thank you today. Thank you for everyone who's been a part of that by praying or by giving to the Great Commission Fund. God's kingdom is coming on earth. And we are seeing Japanese people whom he loves and died for become part of that kingdom. And so we say thank you. Thank you for sending us. In closing, may I ask you directly, are you ready today? If you had to stand before Jesus this afternoon, and I say had to because for those who are ready, it will be a get to. But for those who are not quite ready, it will be a have to. If you stand before him today and give an account for your life, are you ready? If not, it's as simple. As simple as a prayer, Romans says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved the grace and the mercy that we sang about this morning is just that grace and mercy. It's not works. It's saying, Jesus, help me. I need you. I want you. Forgive me and help me. That's all it takes. And he hears that prayer. He forgives our sins and he makes us part of his kingdom. And then we're ready to meet him. Are you ready today? And if you are ready, are you investing your life all out wholeheartedly for his kingdom? not a token on the side, part of your very big, very busy life, 
But as being a child of God, being part of his kingdom and seeing his work done around the world. Is that what drives you? Is that what makes your decisions on how you'll spend your time and how you'll spend your money, what you'll do today? Will you commit with me this morning to making that your heart's desire? To praying. We all need God's help. We can't do even that on our own. We need God's help, but waking up in the morning saying, God, help me live all out for you today. Help me to keep my focus where it should be, to be wide awake for your kingdom. Use me for your kingdom today. There are people I work with, people in my school, people here in my neighbors, maybe people in my family who aren't ready to meet you. God, use me as light. I've tried to witness, but give me another opportunity to show them love or to tell them about your love today. Use me today for your kingdom. The end is coming. Let's not be caught by surprise. But let's live so that we'll be welcomed by the words of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome. Welcome to my kingdom. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, your mercy and your grace is more than we can imagine. Certainly more than we deserve. For all of us were sinners. And yet while we were yet sinners, before we loved you or had done one good thing regarding you, you sent Christ to die in our place. To purchase our salvation, if only we will say, yeah, I accept it, God, forgive me, I need you. You're waiting there with open arms. And we, so we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have had to hear. But Lord, we don't know when you're coming. It could be this afternoon. It could be in 20 years. Help us to live each day wide awake for your kingdom, ready and helping others to be ready. God, there are so many around us who are not ready. And there are so many around the world who haven't even had their first chance to hear about you and get ready. You have said, go. I have died to make it all possible. Now go and and spread that message so that others may believe and find salvation. God, help us to do that faithfully today, tomorrow, until you come. Both here in Oil City, in Tokyo, and around the world, I pray. In Jesus' name.